like, Nikki, you can hear her. You whisper that. I don't know I if know, you know I that. I know, but I love it. I have to say it every it's time. It's hilarious. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back to Plus This. I'm Kathy Jeech. And I'm Nikki Bailey. And I listened to last week's episode just because I was like, were we coherent with <laughs> Because Delany? we did laugh we incessantly. We laughed so much. And it was actually really funny. But I heard... I heard the plus the this plus whisper. This, I do it every time. And I was like, who's doing this? I, I was like stop myself. I just go. Because I was a but fan. Was I told you. you, I was a fan of the I show know, before I started so nice. on the show. And so I always have to sing the, ah! <laughs> and then I have to do the, plus this. <laughs> like, I just have to do it. I love it. You are really the cutest in the <laughs> land. Also, guys, once again, we have not talked about what we're wearing, but we're twinning. Again. And we did Two weeks know. in a row. This is getting to be something else. And I started to call you because I was like, I don't have anything to wear. And then I was, and then I knew you would say, yes, you do. Find something. And so <laughs> Which is exactly what I say. I have no tolerance because I sleep on top of piles of clothes. And I just feel like if worse came to worse, I would just be able to pick something up off my bed and it would be wearable. And 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 uh, you have done that. You have picked something I, off your I, bed and brought it to I me to wear. I that. That's true. <laughs> so I did. We're getting it together. We're fine. I don't have the same love of the fashion and clothes stuff that you have. Like I, I, I legit like... could just wear yoga pants and t-shirts all the time. As long as I can have glitter eyeliner on. But I feel like if, I don't know, I think I definitely went through a phase of that as well. And I just feel like once you start going to places that make you want to do it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. See, I like I like to go places and get dressed up and look pretty sometimes. <laughs> the problem is you have to leave the house to do that. And my house has everything I need. Your house is pretty complete. My house is awesome. So we just got a new couch. <laughs> I don't never need to go nowhere. You're never leaving ever. Again. Never. Uh, this is a Thursday we have been waiting for. Yes. Dr. John Paul is in Dr. the John house. Paul. They are so amazing. I've been going back and forth with them forever on Twitter because we have like simpatico feelings yes. <laughs> about the world. We've basically been stalking them <laughs> and reading everything they've ever written and Oh, and yeah. the TED Talk. Oh. I can't wait to talk about go it. Y'all got to see this. We TED posted talk. it. We, did we posted did we post it. it. We posted it. I didn't it. know we posted it. I I it's so good. It's really so good. good. If you want to talk about releasing your fear Good. So good. And I wish I didn't uh, have an understanding of that story, but I do. Yeah, word. I had something. But Dr. John Paul's our guest yeah, today. Yeah, but he's, she's, she, they, everyone is here. <laughs> I knew I was going to do it. I was so good. And then I'm learning. You know, we are all I'm practicing learning. allyship. Yeah, we're, we're all learning how to be the best allies, and we're all learning how to, you know, to learn about pronouns and change them and and understand that, you know, it's it's sort of, we've been in this sort of fixed language thing about gender for centuries. So now it's new for us to be learning about that and, and changing it. And it'll take us some time to get it. Yeah, being very conscious. I'm yeah. sorry if I take a little longer to say things. Anyway, fine. we came back from Vegas we and survived. We went to Vegas. <laughs> we went to Vegas. Abby Deal, a.k.a. Curvy Chic Chick. Um, had a pool party. Had a crazy, curvy confidence pool party. Mm -hmm. It was a huge success. She's doing another one in September. 
I don't know if they wanted to be entertained by us, Fatch ladies. But we... But we did. <laughs> we showed up and we showed out like we do. We, there was some wild moments. We're going to come later in the show. And we, there was a, a definite incident that... We brought the we brought the party and the controversy. Yes. We're good at we're good at both. And if you are listening on the podcast, you're gonna have to go to our Instagram account and watch the video that I put together mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. all the evidence of said incident. It's video. <laughs> because it's video with a musical background. You did put music to it. I, I love that. I just did some stupid <laughs> app on my phone and it, I was like, I just want the actual and it that wasn't an option. They were like, You need music. This is busted without music. And I'm like, okay. Fine. And the whole controversy Uncle. of what actually happened in that pool, it will be, we will decide we will, it today. We will show, we will it to show you. you the evidence. <laughs> Just so you know. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till the next one. I have a feeling there's a road trip in our future. Another road trip in our future. Another road trip. We had a good time. We bought all the ice cream that they have in Vegas. Oh, my God. And ate it. I checked in with everyone to make sure they liked theirs. (laughs) Because some people said they wanted one thing, and I kind of went a little crazy. She bought all the ice cream that they had at the store. Did you have any of the sweet potato pie? I I did. The sweet potato pie was delish. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Thank you, too. We had a good time. We really did. We really did. Also, the Tonys happened on Sunday. I got back to watch them. I did not watch the Tonys this year, which is strange. I ordinarily would be all about that Tony life. What time did you even get in? We got home. We got home about 8 o'clock. So they were already well underway. And so, and I I haven't even gone back to watch all the performances. I usually do that. Um, They were good. Yeah. They were actually, for the most part, good. I did see Billy Porter... Um, on a commercial break singing Gypsy like he was getting paid. (laughs) Doing the karaoke. (laughs) Look, you can't tell Billy Porter nothing, okay? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Um, And I am here for all of it. So sweet on Stephen Colbert, too. The two of them were so cute. I didn't see it. He was teaching Stephen Colbert how to prance. It was amazing. Oh, that I'm going to see. That was just like last night. Yeah, I kind of stalked Billy He's also an Esquire this month. I'm also in a video with him. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah. You're in an amazing I'm video. A, I'm in a video of a song he did. Um, a cover. He did a cover of uh, Desiree's You Gotta Be. Yeah. With my friend Matt Zarley. And it's so good. You I'm have to totally see it. in it. She's in the video. Lip syncing my, for my life. <laughs> <laughs> and don't fuck it up. But look at these. I just want to show you my pride earrings. Yes. I don't know if you guys can focus on the color. Oh, wait. Is it the gold side? It's good. It's, it's good. Okay. It's beautiful. Can you see them? They're gorgeous. They're from the 90s. I may or may not pay for them. <laughs> I might have had sticky fingers. She may have been going 90s. through her shoplifting phase in the <laughs> it 90s. It might have been my, my 14-year-old shoplifting phase at the McDonald's. Didn't we all go through a, a shoplifting phase? I might have stole them. I owe Claire I so much money. Them. I mean, <laughs> there was this one store. It wasn't even Claire's. It was like. It was like a higher end. Ooh, and girl. That's what these are heavy, girl. These oh. are not playing around. But the Tonys, I'm going to get back to them. So, one of my favorite people, Mary Testa, mm-hmm. three time Tony nominee, mm-hmm. just a diva, guys. Just an incredible, if you don't know her, YouTuber right now, listen to All the Gloriousness. She's also one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Once again, had a hard time finding a dress, a, a look for the red carpet. Mm. And, you know, she's not a household name. And you're working eight shows a week. It's not like she can, like, take off and fly to L.A. or fly to London and go to a designer to help her. Like, 
all of those people doing those Tony's Tony Awards, they had a show Sunday matinee. Yeah. And then they went and did the Tony's. So it's not like you have a ton of free time. And I kind of went back and forth with a young designer who was like, I wish they would ask for young designers. I don't buy this anymore. And I'm like, well, she's also like not 20. And she might not be feeling as risky as you young designers are. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. And it's not that the complaint is not that there aren't designers. The complaint is that the designers who are out there are so exclusive about who they will and will not dress that they that we end up missing out, you yeah. know? And and of course, up and coming designers need attention and they need to be, you know, I am so looking forward to the day when I need a dress for you know, the Oscars, Emmys, Tonys, whatevers. And and I find myself a young little somebody from Philadelphia that I <laughs> that I bring young out. Spring chicken. A, lo- a young little somebody <laughs> from Camden, New Jersey, my home you know, from back home and uh, that I can give a shot to. But also I want to wear uh, some fabulousness too. Yeah. You know? I have two people that I worked with in New York. One I went to school with, one I worked with at um, Wicked. They both have built clothes for me before, and they're both on the list. Nice. Like, if one can't, the other can't. Like, I have my bases covered because I'm crazy, and I will win an award. She's already there. She maybe can a plan nomination. Out the uh, maybe a nomination, but I'm going. I'm going somewhere where I will need that. But I do want to say that it was really cool watching Ali Stroker who won a Tony for her performance in Oklahoma, perform, be on that stage in a wheelchair. She's, I've known her for years. She's been doing this for years. She's been like playing in all those New York cabarets and clubs. And she's an extraordinary human. And then on top of it, winning a Tony. And what's really like a boo-hoo though, is that Oklahoma won the best revival. And the entire cast went on the stage and she couldn't because there was oh, no ramp. They didn't make it except, well, well, ooh. So we're, the work is yet to be done. The work is yet to it's be done. It's so hard. And like, why, why, it's are, tough. why do we make it so hard for people to just exist in the bodies they're in? It's just insane. I don't know. Especially when she's been winning, she's the favorite. And it's not like they didn't know she was going to be there. Right. There were two revivals, like, it was going to be one or the other. <laughs> Chances were fifty. She 50. was coming. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, but but it's right, still Tony's. she looked glorious. There was a cute little six year old boy in a wheelchair whose mom was videotaping him because he was like this, <gasps> and she was like, "This is for you." And he goes, "That's me, Mama." Oh, I mean, crying. Anyway, yeah. But good for the Tonys. You know, still no not enough fat people for me. Not enough fat people in those ensembles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially the ones that take place in, in high, high schools. School. <laughs> yes. I have this a is... real. I mean, listen, I did Footloose originally on Broadway, so I have like a thing about it. But but it makes me livid. Yeah. That are like, you know, that girl that is a br- breaking the stereotype like she's an incredible dancer she would be amazing yeah, yeah. Dude, so many people would be amazing anyway please hire fat people thanks please do thank you um and this is really the thing that lit me up good lit up listen the entire the internet whole was world was just crazy <laughs> can you please explain to them because i might get a tick okay so what happened was a good right? thing it was a really good thing nike in their flag store in london Put a beautiful plus size mannequin in, uh, you know, some some sweats, some you know Nike gear, and y'all which would have new. thought it's which is which is new and it's amazing because you never actually see. First of all, you don't see full fuller mannequins anywhere, but definitely not in sports 
equipment stores and sports apparel stores. So it was a huge thing, and fat people were super excited about it, like going down, taking pictures with the mannequin, like, look, it's me! It was a wonderful thing. But then, this trolling heifer <laughs> from, what was that, the Telegraph mm -hmm. in the UK? Mm -hmm. What was her name? Do you remember her Gold name? something. Something. Tanya Gold. You know what? You don't even matter what her of, name is. Because she, she don't even. Some name that belongs in like. Her name is now not. Trifling Heifer. Okay. <laughs> this Trifling Heifer wrote this scathing and brutally cruel article. It was really. Okay. This I, is didn't definitely, read, I didn't even read the whole thing. Because it, it was so upsetting. This is a plus this bitches. Plus this bitch. Plus this bitches. Like. Every time some kind of progress happens for fat people, we don't need to hear from you. Right. Like, why is the Telegraph even, well, we all know they want clickbait. Right. Uh, they, it was a paid thing. Like you said, you're like, yeah. I'm not signing up and paying for that. So thank God someone screenshot it so we all could read it. Right. And it basically, it wasn't even well thought out. It was just mean, mean, It was just mean. nasty sentence after nasty sentence. Uh you know, all sorts of assumptions about the type of body that would be wearing those but, clothes in that size. What's hilarious, though, is that she was, like, saying, this mannequin is this. Like, right. Like, the like mannequin the ma was it's alive. It's a mannequin, boo. <laughs> That's not Toy Story. It's a mannequin. I mean, she a hot mess. And yeah. my favorite thing was that, you know I went and Googled her, because I was like, who this? Who's this Tanya Gold? And literally in five seconds, Google provided a picture of her smoking a cigarette, which was the first thing. And right. I was like, fuck you and your health. Fuck you. Fuck yourself. Because she's, you know, health yeah. trolling us with the whole. Disgusting. Yeah, she was terrible. But I do. But there was a lot of useful information. There was a lot of like people just on fire lit posing the hottest pictures of themselves ever in Nike yeah, gear in, out in Nike and gear, all this yeah. stuff. Yes. But. There was a, a woman, Maxine Ali, who's in medicinal humanities, which that's a thing. That's oh, no. amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing, but of course I'm like all up in it now. A uh, 2017 study in the Journal of Eating Disorders found that the over 90% of female mannequins represented uh, are medically underweight body size fat. That if a human had the same body dimensions, they would have such little body fat they would be unable to menstruate. They concluded, this study, that the shop mannequins contribute to the internalization of ultra-thin body ideals and act as a risk factor for body dissatisfaction and eating disorders. And mm -hmm. I went and looked up the article, and we have it. If you want it, we can we send it to you. We will put it in the description of this video. Yes. So that you, and, and on, on uh, you know, all the audio stuff too, we'll put the link in there. Um, yeah, like, look, look. You can't even get all your bits and pieces in those bodies, right? In those those <laughs> mannequin organs bodies. are hanging out, right? It's organs <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> you can't even you can't even hardly work, you know. And so basically, what they're saying is that if you were as thin as most mannequins are, you would be sick. You wouldn't be yeah. able to function. And so, you know, and whatever size you are is a good size. And if you happen to be the size of what a mannequin is, okay. Yeah. If you don't, though, because most of us are not the size of your standard mannequin, that's not realistic. It's we want to see, yeah. and it does a mental like job on all of our does. heads. Yeah. Female mannequins. They had a whole thing about male mannequins and about how actually they were like not even toned most of the time, which I thought was like so interesting. Uh, <laughs> just like the whole thing, just. And that men are in charge of all that and like making them. And I was just like, oh my God, can we just 
stop. Uh, but I will say, it made her pull her face. I'm back just pulling my just face, pull, guys. Mm. Um, but I will say that the like the thing about seeing yourself and feeling like you're somebody who deserves to wear workout gear and like you deserve to show up in something somewhere to take care of yourself. It's there's such a shaming about showing up and taking care of yourself. And then when we have something that like supports that, yeah. it's such this catch 22. So make up your mind. Either you think we need to be exercising and, and being aware of our health, or you think we need to be what? Not The problem is they think we need to not exist. That's really And that's it. actually the issue. And that is and, the issue. And, and the, the point is we do exist, we exercise, we, you know, we eat, you know, we have- By the way, we take people... care of your children. We work for yeah, you. We, yeah. I mean, I just don't understand everybody has fat people in yeah. their life. You do not, not, I don't even care if you're in the thinnest part of Beverly Hills where no one is, the average size is a size two. Your nanny is fat. Somebody, your cook is fat. Yeah. Somebody in your fucking yeah. life, the teacher who's teaching your goddamn snotty kids is fucking fat. Yeah. And I'm sorry. That doesn't mean that you get to act like we're not here. And, and it doesn't mean that you get to apply universal notions of who we are and what we do and what our health is like based on how we appear. There are healthy and unhealthy people at every size, at every age, and so all of the little assumptions that you're making about who you think I am and what my health is like, keep it to yourself. Not yeah. interested. Yeah. Not interested. People find it really hard to believe when we do sketches where we actually you know, speak the words that people have spoken to us and they're shocked. So one of the sketches we did recently, um, you know, there's a little speech that this guy who came up to me in Central Park and told me that I shouldn't be eating ice cream because I'm probably on welfare and diabetic and his tax dollars are paying for my life. And I'm like, what? You don't know? I don't have any of those things, you know? <laughs> like, and I'm like, fuck you. But that was a quote. Mm, that was a quote. That was a quote. Word for word. Dude came up to me and said that. And... And, you know, you don't know what to do in the moment. It's so shocking. But you don't know anything about someone based on how they look. You don't know anything about my health based on how I look. You don't know anything about my activity level or what I eat. You know nothing about me based on my size. And also. Except my size. And, and it, even that, I'm fabulous. So fuck you. Exactly. You don't know shit. And also, why, if you were sick, do you not deserve to be treated right. with respect? I still deserve health coverage. I still deserve to be able to sit comfortably in a chair. I still deserve to be able to, you know, use the restroom or be in a, you know, whatever. Like to be a happy person on the internet. To be a happy person internet. who has a life, yeah. It's really, I just have been going. Y'all, we don't uh, The, we the Instagram oh, really took me to places. It, I know that's right. This week. Okay. Let's let's Ooh. let's let's cut it. Let's cut to commercial. Oh wait, no, this isn't the commercial. This, isn't the commercial. this, this is. This is dun dun dun. Swimming pool gate 2019. <laughs> the question is, how did Gloria end up in the pool? <laughs> We're gonna find out You're after this video. Out.
Mm-hmm. Not nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I contend that Ms. Delany Peace shoved Ms. Gloria DeLeon <laughs> into that water. <laughs> now, y'all, it's on video. Y'all saw it. Two different angles. She got pushed in. <laughs> when I saw the close-up one, I gasped. Because <laughs> on mine, I was like, wait, did she this was like a big controversy on our trip because Delany was like, I didn't push her. She literally wasn't me. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> I saw you push her in the pool. It wasn't, wasn't me. me. <laughs> she really did that. She really did that. We had a great time. We did. We did. It was a good time. Delany's going to be so mad at us for doing that. But I'm totally posting it on our page so you guys can see the little oh, video. Britta says it was lovely having us in Vegas on Saturday. Oh, Thank you Britta. Britta. We had a great you. time. Thanks, Thanks for, for watching. Yes. Keep up with us girl. For sure. Yes. Okay. Do you want to give this introduction? <gasps> the pedigree is Radonk. 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 Okay. Our guest today is none other than the Dr. John Paul named one of the top 40 LGBTQ plus under 40 in Business Equality Magazine, and he's been writing for Out Magazine, for Essence, for them, The Root, Pedigree. Okay, he, look, Dr. John Paul is the real deal, <laughs> and they're here right now. Welcome, Dr. Yay! John. Hi, everybody. Yes. We're so happy Thank you're you here Thank you for putting up us. with our ranting yes. no, in silence. I, I genuinely <laughs> wanted to chime in when you, were, when you were talking about the part of the man coming up to you in Central Park. I would have been like, ma'am, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> like, why are why we are doing this? What now? are we doing right now? Like, this, this isn't even, what? Like, I literally would have been like, sir? Like, yeah, so you're better than me. You're better well, than what I'll ever be. I was be. so shocked and my ice cream was so delicious yeah. that I just finished my cone and moved on <laughs> I wanted to throw something at him. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Dr. John. Hi. hi. Hello. How are y'all? So, we're so, so happy you're here. Thank we you. we mentioned earlier your TED Talk on unlearning fear. Mm -hmm. Tell us about like what wh tell us about it. Like I mean, tell us about that journey and 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 that talk. Okay. Yeah. So, ultimately um that talk had come so so I don't know if any of you all know the whole process behind doing a TED Talk or doing a TEDx Talk. Um, they give you a mentor. They give you a whole bunch of folks that you work with. It is a literally like a six to seven month process. Wow. Um, it's very long. It's very, very intense. And I think a lot of people go, oh, I would love to give a TEDx one day. And I'm going, good luck, because it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, so I initially had uh, pitched, you know, they ask you, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to do? And I had pitched a conversation around. I had, I had been listening to a podcast. They were talking about epidemic genetics and I was I don't know if you all are familiar with epigenetics Tell the people just in case okay so I'll, I'll educate the people on what epigenetics <laughs> I just, is I just took my yeah, head like no. yeah, yeah yeah so epigenetics is this idea there are a couple of studies that have been done of um, it was specifically done around rats and what they were doing was they were trying to basically make the rats afraid of the cher cherry blossom trees right they did they were trying to see what makes basically what made the rats fearful um, and so then the rats had children and when they were 
would put the the cherry blossom trees inside the box with the baby rats, the baby rats would be afraid. And so there's this long conversation around how, you know, specifically around racism and uh, trauma, right? How trauma follows people. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to do a whole entire TED talk around this idea that my mom is extremely fearful, love her to death, but she's a, she's nervous all the time about things. Uh, my grandfather, same way, was always extremely nervous about things and how even now, you know, for me, I'm 30 going 30 something going on 30 something else and um and i i find myself being nervous for no reason and so i was thinking to myself was that passed down to me um and the person who was affiliated with tedx said we can't do that because it hasn't been proven right there's no solid hmm. evidence that th that this is actually what's happening it's just research people are just trying to figure what it is where it comes from how does it work um so then we started talking about my lived experiences being you know i i, I talk very openly about being an extra Jehovah's Witness. Um, I talk very openly about being raised black and, you know, my queerness and having to come to terms with leaving that organization and then coming to terms with both my blackness and my queerness. And that they, you know, the person who was, you know, mentoring me at the time said, that's your TEDx talk. That's what you're going to talk about is how you came to be, how, how you came to unlearn the fear that you had around all of those identities, right? Like, how do you reclaim yourself? And so a big part, and that's the thing I love, like as much as people see me, you know, on social media and people see me speaking and people see me on television shows um a lot of that is me ultimately being so terrified to do it and 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 telling myself daily you deserve that like mm. you've worked hard to be here you've 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 overcome so much to get to where you are and you deserve more than what the world has given you and so that's where that whole entire talk came from right how the moment that I walked into the room and said, I deserved to exist, right? Mm. After all of the moments of, of suicide and being, and thinking about, you know, taking my own life, right? Like, and I know there, and a trigger warning for anybody, I'm sorry, but that's ultimately where that talk came from. It came from me living a life of being so afraid to be myself authentically. And then one day waking up and going, fuck that. I deserve to be here. Yeah. And mm. I, no one has the right to tell me that I don't. Right? right. If I'm black, I'm going to exist in my full blackness. If I'm fat, I'm going to exist in my full fatness. And if I'm queer, I'm going to exist in my full queerness. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get all three of those if you like it or not. Right. And if you don't like it, that's your problem, not mine. Right. right? And so that's kind of how I how I live my life. And that's where that talk came from. And I mm -hmm. love the part that was connected to the voice, mm. because that really is, you know, I happen to be a singer and I happen to be a voice teacher. Yeah. And I watch it really happen to young girls totally have they go through this phase where all of a sudden projecting beyond right here is not comfortable mm -hmm. they cry they i make them be loud and they cry, get overwhelmed by it because they're just not allowed to do it mm -hmm. but also young gay boys too or mm -hmm. or boys who seem to me more uh, have or are more in touch with their feminine side right at a young, I, can't, I don't want to label anybody but right. they um to see them we had this incredible little kid push through and like with cinderella's prince and and people were like he's gonna be cinderella's prince like parents judgy like mm -hmm. you cast him as that i'm like you're not even ready yeah and he got out there and was like Agony! like up the activity <laughs> was incredible but what i loved about that was that how the voice is so powerful mm. that even the people around you knew like this is your superpower yeah and it, you know, we we want to keep you in this box. Especially in black church. Especially in black church, when you understand that in the black church context, and I don't want to speak for Jehovah's Witnesses because I'm not, but as a black, hmm. as a someone who comes from black church, 
your voice is actually a gift from God. And for someone who doesn't fit what we want them to look like, to be bestowed with that gift, well, that's a major point of like dissonance. And, and so then they have to sit you down, they have to shut you up because then it's saying God is blessing and ordaining and anointing this person who doesn't we, fit. who should, doesn't fit. Right. And, that, and then they have, to, they have to account for that. So mm-hmm. they have to shut you down, they have yeah. to sit you down. Well, I think, so you bring up a really good point. And I think, you know, as I've watched my journey and as I think about my journey, so this is the thing, you know, I've always, ever since I was a kid, people would always say you have this energy um, and, and I, I would even have people when I was very young tell me, folks are gonna have to watch out for you because you're gonna take over the world. And I never understood what that meant, right? Like, I, I mean, you're five or six and you're just kind of looking around going, what is that, what? Like, but I was always told, you know, you're, you're very talkative, you talk too much or you say this or you speak out of turn or you question everyone, right? And I think that, you know, I, I knew that, po- I understood that power for a very long time, but I didn't comprehend that power. Mm-hmm. And now I guess I'm at a place now where I do. And I think about that a lot, right? Like I I think about the moments and the people who are living lives where they're constantly shut down and they're constantly saying, why doesn't the world listen to me? And and ultimately it's this idea that, you know, who owns the power over you and who gets to say, who gets to tell you to shut up and who gets to tell you to to speak up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm very fortunate that I'm very, I I will say I'm very blessed to have a team of people around me who go, Dr. Higgins, don't say that, you know? And I'm like, okay, I won't. Um, Or if you are going to say that, we have to figure out how we're going to say it in a way to where people will receive it. I've learned that too, right? Like messaging is everything, no matter how you say it. But I think a lot about that. There are people out there who are being silenced by their families and being silenced by their church people, or they're being silenced by their partners, or they're being silenced by you know friends that they know of and don't even recognize that it's happening. And I think when you can get to a place where you say, I deserve to use my full voice, because that's really what my TEDx was about. It was this idea that I came from a life of kind of speaking, like, I, I, I don't say it to be funny because obviously they were abused, but I was very Michael Jackson, you know, is about the way I spoke. I was very timid, didn't really say too much to people, uh, you know, but I would still talk, but I but I never used my full voice. Yeah. And now I, I tell people all the time, now I walk into a room and look at people and say what I need to say, and if it offends you, sorry, but ultimately it becomes this conversation of, I walk in a room and throw glitter and tell people, clean that shit up. Like, <laughs> that's literally my, like, that's me now. Right. I, I literally have no time to be afraid. And I think a lot about, I know I'm taking up a lot of space, but I, I, I think a lot about Audre Lorde. I think a lot about James Baldwin. And I think about a lot of other folks who have said, we live in a world where people will take your voice. They will basically eat you alive and then say, oh, you brought that on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tell people all the time, if I'm going to walk around being afraid to say what I need to say or do what I need to do, right. then damn it, I might as well speak up and say what I need to say because ultimately you're going to kill me anyway. Can I, yeah. I want to talk about this. Yeah. this it, the intersectionality mm-hmm. of all the things that you are. I will say this too. When I realized that I'm fat and no amount of being a good person or doing everything for everybody or being a people pleaser mm-hmm. is going to make people not feel certain things about me, want to hate me, want to kill me. Mm-hmm. Once I realized that, I absolutely fa- I found that slot. Mm-hmm. I, f- I was like, oh, I don't. Oh, no, I don't really care. I mean, yeah. I do like I'm trying to be kind, but also like that has a limit. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Like just like that self-possession. So talk about for a minute Mm. this place where all of these things align Mm. because it is really specific yeah and it i'm sure it's 
problematic yeah. in this world of ours. Yes. <laughs> I think so for me, I think the biggest struggle has been, um, I, I, I will always say this and I will always frame this, that I've learned a lot from having a single parent black mother. And I think having a black woman in my life who I to this day will say I am everything I am because of her. Um, I think that I think that's where I figured out and I understood. See, I, I never had the the actual knowledge or the understanding of what intersectionality was, but watching my mother grow up and watching the things that she went through. Now being how old I am, I'll text her, I'll call her and go, I know exactly what you're talking about or what you went through. Um, and I think that that's what has helped frame my life in a lot of ways. I think being black people are, and I, I say this in all my work too, people see me as a threat because I'm black. People see me as a threat because I am LGBTQ. People see me as a threat because I'm fat. And so, because I'm all three things that the world is actively trying to get rid of, no matter what I do or no matter how I say it, everyone's going to take it some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Even if I say it nicely, yeah. I can come into the room and go, oh my gosh, I, lo I love your shoes. And if someone's having a day where they already feel a way that, what do you mean by that, right? Because you see me as a threat. Um, and so was that shade? Like I get that a lot, was that shade? And I'm going, no, I was I was just giving you a compliment, but oh, whatever, right? So I think about that a lot. And I think when, you, when, it, when I talk about those intersections, I think about, a big part of my life now is understanding the power in all three of those dynamics. Mm -hmm. I think for a long time we live, and I, I, I lived in a world, I'll say I, I'll, I'll own that. I lived in a world where I saw all three of those things as negative. I mm. saw them as negative. And then I had moments where I would see people kind of act a certain way around me. And then I had to think to myself, do you know how powerful you are that someone noticed you before you even noticed them, mm. right? Like how powerful that is to have that energy to where you can make someone feel uncomfortable about themselves because you're so comfortable, comfortable. with who Ooh, you yes. are. Yes. Yes. That is yes. so yes. powerful. Yes. And so now I like, I harness that. I harness that energy. When I walk into a room and see a man tense up because he doesn't understand how to read me, mm -hmm. I look at him and go, that's your work, girl. Mm -hmm. I've already done mine, right? right? Like <laughs> it, it, it just, it becomes this thing. So I, I, I'm just, I'm on this wave of right, like, I understand I have to work and I have to eat and I have to make a living, but I also understand the idea of what it means to live. Mm. And that's the phase of my life that I'm in where I spent so many years just trying to survive. Right. And I just go, in my inter intersections, like I was surviving in all three of those intersections. Right. And now I just go, no, I'm going to thrive and live in all three of those. And what you get is what you get. And if if it, if it doesn't serve you, then don't eat. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's so interesting about when you are a person who lives in multiple intersections, mm -hmm. um, I I got four of them myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you live in those spaces, there's, this, there's almost this concept that people have that like you have to be, like when you're with the black folks, you have to be black. And when you're with the girls, you have to be a girl. When you're with the queer people, you have to be queer. And the thing is, I'm not these things separately. Mm -hmm. I am all these things at once. They are inextricably linked for me. And so I can't turn one off to, to participate in this and turn one off to participate in that. And to do that, to show up in each space 100% is who you are, to go into a queer space and say, I'm the black bitch. Or to go, you know, or to go into a black space yes. and say, I'm the queer bitch. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Like, and and I think I think Audre Lorde actually, she, Audre Lorde actually said something about like, being who you are is an act of revolution in yeah, and of itself. Yeah. You know, yes. so mm -hmm. yeah. I yeah. Love that. Uh, now you touched a little bit on this. I feel with that, and which I appreciate you, Nikki, so much for mm -hmm. that. You wore a t-shirt 
mm-hmm. that said too proud to code switch yeah. i know that nikki has talked about code switching before with us in thatch when we have writing meetings mm-hmm. i want you guys to talk about that a little bit like first of all let's pretend i'm a stupid white person <laughs> that might not understand what that is um so break it down i know what it is right but pretend i'm a good actor yeah code switching so people who grow up in um in culture but also in another culture at the same time so if you i'm american but i'm also black right so so i grew up in american culture but i also grew up in a black family and i need to be able to or i there's a a thing that you learn to cope and to survive which is i can turn on my becky voice for job interviews (laughs) and i can sound like this and you don't know that i'm black and then when i'm with my family i'm like oh girl whatever Mm. Um, and so there's this idea that as a person, as a black person, I have to be able to sound white and, and, and present white right. to be acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then in my community, I have to also be able to speak what we speak in our community. Mm-hmm. The, the issue with that is that we shouldn't have to switch mm. and we shouldn't have to turn off my blackness in white spaces. Mm. And I shouldn't have to turn off my whiteness in black spaces. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I wear that shirt intentionally because I, I know. So I'm so I travel a lot and I am that girl that's always in an airport. And I love I've intentionally started wearing those shirts just to see one to sometimes I don't feel like engaging in the conversations and I won't. But most of the time I love seeing the quick blips where you'll see someone see something I have on a shirt and then they'll look and then they're like, oh, then it'll click. You'll see it in their face where they're like, okay, now I get it. And I like that shirt in particularly, I, I love that shirt because I see other black people who will read it. You'll see them read it and then you'll see them process it. And then you get that quick <laughs> head nod of like, I feel you, I feel mm-hmm. you. And I think about that a lot. You know, th- that shirt too, too tired to code switch. It's more about the tired than the code switch. It's, you know, that's yes. this idea of how you have to be, like how exhausting it is to always be on and having to think 200% about your, yeah. your, your circum- the circumference of where yeah. you are and how you yeah. and how you do what you do when you when you are there. You guys are constantly and playing and, yeah. chess. Yeah, yeah. Really. you're constantly really. playing chess mm-hmm. in a world that like might be doing checkers. Yeah, actually might just be doing tic tac toe. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, guys. so even just driving here, not to cut you off, but like to even driving here. You know, I always tell my husband when I walk into a room, I will know where every single exit is because that's just the way my mind works, mm-hmm. right? I'm driving here, like I'm always scanning and looking for police. When I was coming here, I saw like, you know, there were other people who were driving and then you could see them slowing down because they saw the cop, you know, coming around the corner. I knew that cop was there before I even pulled up to the light. Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of life that I have to deal with. And yeah. I think code switching is a big part of that, right? When are you going to be on? How are you going to be on? And and on what days are you going to be on? And some days I just don't have it. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. And you shouldn't have to have it. You know, yeah. you shouldn't have to, you know, I shouldn't have to turn Becky on to get a job. And I shouldn't that's have it. to. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it's one of those things that's worked out in my life to, um, you know, I've had the privilege of, of coming from like a middle class, well-educated, you know, family mm. where, uh, where it's kind of worked out for me that I sound like a white girl on the phone, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I've also had times when it doesn't work out for me, where mm-hmm. I legit went to a job interview at a black company and they thought I was white. They thought I was going to be their uh, their diversity hire. And uh, <laughs> I show up in my blackness and they're like, wait, wait, mm-hmm. wait. But 
but the idea is like it's exhausting to have to constantly be vigilant about where you are mm -hmm. and who you're with and how you sound and what you're listening to and the language it's just exhausting and mm -hmm. I remember growing up for me like I grew up I went to black church and I lived in a white neighborhood and so I grew up like not sure I was allowed to have my white music in front of my black friends and not wanting my black my white friends to be too comfortable with my black music like you cannot just cuz the song mm -hmm. say the n word don't mean you could say it too yeah. and so like Why people but still it's a do lot that? of it's a Why lot of like hyper vigilance about yeah. at all times about yeah. and, and when you live in all those different communities yeah. it's a lot to juggle but it's also queerness too and i think that that's the other part of code switching that people miss out i think when people talk about code switching it oftentimes will stop at the racial conversation mm -hmm. and i even think for myself when i say i'm too tired to code switch it's that idea too that yeah i'm gonna probably be super effeminate today because i just don't feel like playing that down right. i don't like i'm not going to change the base of my voice i'm not going to not you know walk with a little bit of a twist in my hip like i'm just i just <laughs> yeah. i'm not yeah. and i think about that a lot i think about for me when i say coats like i'm too tired to coats which it's really this idea that for me just being me as a full-time job mm. and still having to navigate the world and the way that the world works because it doesn't want me here right. and so there are some days where i'm just like Y'all just gonna have to take me out because I, okay. I, I, I don't. I ain't got it. And if you exactly. want to fight, we can. We'll like I, I'm, I'm, I am. That is ready. all the way real. Literally way ready. Real. And that yeah. has Perfect. been me for the last couple of months. It's just been like, if you if, keep that same energy. That has literally been my whole thing. Please keep the same energy that you talk about online. That you talk about to your family. That you talk about everybody. Because I just I have it. I have the time if you want some of it. Because I genuinely just don't. I I don't have it anymore. Now is that liberating? Do you feel like? Mm -hmm. oh! Yeah. I'm just gonna be myself, damn it. It's still scary. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that it is extremely liberating and it is fun at times to, to, to sometimes rub a little bit, but I will be honest. I mean, considering that, you know, I do I do identify as non-binary and I have trans friends who have been assaulted or, you know, a friend of mine, it's really sad, a friend of mine just texted, you know, a group of mine and had said someone broke in their house and ripped up their, their pride flag. It, mm. You know, they knew that that was an attack on them. Mm. Um, and so I think about that a lot, right? Like. As as much as I, it is liberating for me some mornings to wake up and walk out of my door and say, I'm going to be my full authentic self. Shit is scary, yeah. you know, yeah, and, I, and I'm real. fortunate that I present in a way of like, yes, I'm effeminate, but I'm also big. And so it's kind of like I, I, I can tell people don't really mess with me because of my size and because of my color and because of a lot of other things. But ultimately, you know, there have been moments where I've walked to my car with my keys in my hand. There have been moments where I had my mace ready in my bag that if anybody wants to run up on me, they'll get maced. Like there have been moments where I've had to walk through groups of men and I was thinking to myself, if they throw a punch, am I gonna be, you know, am I gonna be so aware enough to duck or to, to, you know, so I'm, I'm constantly having to think about that stuff a lot. As much as it's liberating, yeah, there's still that moment of a me thinking about the fear, of that. the vulnerability really that vulnerable. I carry as well, too. Yeah. 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 Thank so. you guys for sharing all that. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. We're gonna take like a super ultra quick break with our sponsor who's back, Scrubs. And there's a code <laughs> on there, guys, if you wanna get some free get stuff. Some scrubs. We'll be back with Plus This. An all-female-owned business. Promotional consideration provided by Scrubs Body. An all-female-owned business giving you permission to pamper in jars and bottles. Now with a brick-and-mortar location at 245 Main Street in Farmingdale, New York. 
Still available online at scrubsbody.com. Plus this gift is the code for those oh, listening yeah. at home. Plus scrub this gift. Scrub scrub You'll get a free gift. Free it's gift. delightful. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite things to do, especially you can shave with it. You're going to have a great time. I oh, just got my placement. first one. I'm super excited oh about God. it. Amazing. <laughs> really quickly, because we don't have a lot of time left. I want to talk about the things you're doing. You are working in the Lena Waith mentor program? Yeah, so that's also really cool. Um, so it, Lena Waith has uh, something called the Hillman, uh, it's a Hillman grad mentoring program. And basically what they're trying to do is they are trying to um, take just, I would say folks who look and live like Lena Waith, both queer, both black, they're trying to give them opportunities to break into entertainment. Um, so they're helping us, in, you know, the, the months to come, helping us learn how to write scripts, learning us how to find managers, how to understand that whole WGA thing that's happening right now. There's mm. a lot happening around so that. So much happening. And someone like me who comes from education, I don't understand fully what that means. And so um, our very first meeting, that was the conversation that they had. For those of you who've never heard or understand WGA, this is what you need to understand and need to know as you're getting ready to make the move into this. So it's been it's been amazing. I, I always tell people for me, it's 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 very, very mind boggling to see Lena Waithe name in my email. Like I wake up and to see a direct email from her or to see a direct email from her assistants. That's incredible. It blows my mind to know that that's, you know, my yeah. work has gotten to that place. So it's really cool. That's amazing. Um, it's really exciting. I'm so glad you're a part of that. Yeah, because did, can't you see him in a writer's room? Oh, totally. Like in a second. Like <laughs> yes. in, a, in a, like a I legitimately second. was like, I cannot wait to see the stories that you put, yeah. that you put on the screen. I yeah. can't wait. But you also yeah. have a story in a book because you're like, <gasps> why one medium? Why not all the <laughs> Mediums. All the mediums. <laughs> so coming up in September, the new book, The Other F Word, A Celebration of the Fat and Fierce is coming out. And yeah. you have an article in the book. Yeah, I do. I have a chapter there. And I'm um, it was you know, the article chapter. They the, the, I guess they're the, kind of the same in this book. But I am I, I honestly genuinely wrote that. And I literally probably cried the entire time oh, I was writing wow. it. Um, and I'm trying not to get emotional thinking about it now. The, the prompt was, you know, what would you say to your 15, 16 year old self? And I, I think about that a lot. You know, I remember being so poor. <laughs> we were broke growing up when I was in high school and I was chubby. What, and part, of, what part of the country are you from? So I'm actually, I'm from California. I'm okay. from SoCal. Um, my family is spread out between LA County and San Bernardino County, but I grew up in Highland. Okay. Um, and so, you know, my mom working two jobs, trying to take care of me, my brother, my mom's single parent and um, ultimately being too fat to shop anywhere. You know, I was 290 pounds in, in you know, 11th grade. And at this time, Target wasn't as fat friendly. Um, yeah. And that's really all we could afford. Like we couldn't afford to go anywhere else. So I remember wearing a lot of either my dad's clothes or wearing, you know, clothing that I could find from other places and just wearing it, you know, repeatedly. Um, and being so like broken about it, right? Like going to school every day and knowing that people are talking about you because you can't fit into the desk, knowing that people are talking about you because you're wearing the same clothing that you wore. You know, it's Friday and you wore the same thing on Monday, right? Like kids mm -hmm. talk. Mm -hmm. And um, I basically wrote a letter to, you know, and th that whole story is a letter to myself of saying like, 
keep keep going knowing that one day you're going to be the person that inspires someone who's going through the same story. I think model is next yeah. for you. Yeah. I oh think God. someone needs Oh my god, yeah. I mean, look at this gorgeous one. <laughs> I know. Who wouldn't want who wouldn't gorgeous. want that in gorgeous. their clothes? Ooh, We're going to put so, out feelers. Yes. So this book is targeting it's a young adult target, right? It is. The it has which a is, YA, yeah. Yeah, which is a new idea in mm-hmm. fat activism. There aren't mm-hmm. any books that I know of that target uh, young adult audiences and so this is super exciting. It's yeah, fantastic. It's and big. they need it. Yeah. Because they're all trying to Kardashian it out. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. all like tuning themselves with an inch of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You know, we talk to, about it a lot here about being that young girl being put into women's clothes. And like all of a sudden you're like 11, 12, like people like being more mature looking more mature than anyone right. should ever be treating you yeah. because you have like a little lady suit on yeah. <laughs> when we were growing up there was not a, a young person's plus size department right so you right. really only had adult women clothes and how dangerous wear. that yeah. is it is yeah. so dangerous and then like no wonder predators and then you end up comfortable. being sexualized early right. and yeah right. all that stuff yeah. so I think that's a really great gift yeah. yeah I can't believe we have to end we didn't even get to the post and the hot topic we'll save that for the after show you can stay with us a few minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you got it. guys, once again, if you join us as a patron on Patreon. 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 <laughs> if you join us, <laughs> you will get all of our delicious bonus videos that we do after every show. Oh, yeah. There have been some good ones, too. Mm-hmm. We get into it. This one's going to be getting into it. We're going to go, we're going to talk about a post that caused some controversy, oh, which I literally you know was like, who's getting their panties in a twist over this post? Mm-hmm. But we're going to talk about that on the after show. Um, everything at Plus This Show. Tell our peoples where they can find you. So you can find me everywhere. I'm on social media as Dr. John Paul. I have to tell people to spell it out. D-O-C-T-O-R-J-O-N-P-A-U-L. And if you say that you saw me on the show um, or that you read one of my articles and you like me, then I usually will follow you back. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to follow. Yeah. You gotta follow. 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 Yes, oh, I knew we get it. Yes. I knew we get it. Perfect. <laughs> Next week we have we have uh, Jenna Schmieding, another podcaster who is uh, the she does the Women of Size podcast at Hoo Ha and is also in the other F word book with you. Oh, cool. And uh, I did her podcast last week, so I'm super excited. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. I, I follow. She's her, a stand up comedian. She's and amazing. She's so funny, and yeah. I've been following her and I can't wait to meet her right here live 6 p.m. next Thursday plus this see you guys